G'day, I'm Jelly, a.k.a. Daniel Farrelly. I'm Alice Zhao. And I'm Curtis Herbert. And this is Independence, a show about living off two-minute noodles while you grow a business into something where you make an honest-to-God living. Hey, I'm uh, I'm up to the five-minute noodles now. I, I can afford the big boy noodles. <laughs> <laughs> and I will always say that my noodles are not bad. <laughs> they're instant, but they're really high quality. <sighs> okay, okay, look. To help with this whole thing, I, I think maybe I need some help because I'm the one with the bad noodles. So I, <laughs> I'm think I've been thinking about my pricing over the last few years, uh, and specifically in the last year or so, because I'm trying to th- figure out a new approach to the way that I price gift wrapped to make it a little bit more sustainable than what it currently is. You know, I, I'm always thinking about trying to make it so that I can properly subsist off of the work that I do. Always a nice goal. Yeah, I mean, it's not about, like, shoveling money out of people's pockets and into my own. It's just about, like, trying to exist, you know, uh, for a little while longer than than uh, than most indie apps. And it's all about sustainability. And there's a lot of options that you can kind of, um, you can kind of go with. And some of them are right and some of them not so right. Um, but I wanted to see, find out what the two of you think about placing value on the things that you create. And so... Before we jump to that, when you started doing freelance work, because that's kind of like the first you know step into independence, how did you come up with your hourly rate? Oh, terribly. <laughs> well, and when I started, I was doing more C-sharp web stuff, PHP web stuff um, when I went independent. And I think I did the old formula of like, okay, normally the average American works 2,000 hours a year. So let's take, you know, about what I was making at my job job and multiply that out. Okay, cool. I'll start at like 55 bucks an hour or something. Spoilers, way underpriced. And slowly raise that over time. But I, I think one of the things that really helped me nail down what I should be charging, especially once I hopped into iOS, was finding out the market rates around me and pricing around there. Because I knew by that point, like, okay, I'm a senior engineer. So what are senior freelance contractors earning when it comes to iOS? Because each market's going to be different. You know, PHP is a lot cheaper, generally yeah. speaking, to find a developer than iOS. But then also you have regional things like Philly is a little bit less expensive than New York City. So kind of starting to figure out, you know, what are the regions I'm targeting in terms of people who are hiring me and what's the average developer rate for freelance, not for an employee in that area and started to try and price around that. But it took me like a good like four or five years to wise up and figure all that out. So you said that you wanted to price yourself. Was that because you were just charging what your normal like job would have paid you ish at that rate? Well, yeah, ish. I mean, yeah. So I was like, okay, I want to earn the same as my job, 2,000 hours divide, all that stuff. But you don't always realize going freelance that mm. you're really only working maybe 1,300 hours a year because you're spending the other time yeah. doing business mm-hmm. administration, marketing yourself trying to do all the run the business trying to get the next gig yeah so that uh, there was a big error in my math there so i ended up having to work more hours and i mean the other thing that you have to take keep in mind and this was something that i learned very very quickly was that generally when you're independent you no longer have an office and you don't have to pay for like the electricity that you use the uh, like any of the other utilities, like water right. or whatever that you're using at work, that is all part of being at that job, and they take care of that. Yeah, healthcare. Yeah, yeah. I mean that healthcare is a big one in the US. It's not so big yep. here because it's you know we live in a 
real country uh, yeah. here in Australia. But no uh, argument here. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> but like stuff like healthcare, like you know, you, you've got to th- you, you've definitely got to think about that, and that's going to cost you money because normally, if your job had been paying for that, then you've got to find a way to work that into the price that you charge your clients. Yeah, and ultimately, some of the balance for figuring out what to charge too, at least for me was, you know, as I started working on slopes more, I wanted to make sure I wasn't charging just enough to get by, but I was charging enough to make time for myself for other things. Mm -hmm. So if I just charged what I wanted to earn, then I'd have to work all those hours and I wouldn't have time to build my side projects. But since I wanted to launch products, I needed to be comfortable charging more, which I'm still probably undercharging, to be honest. But, you Mm -hmm. know, charging more gives me that time. So now I don't have to work 1300 hours a year to make ends meet, I can now work 900 hours and make ends meet and have that extra time to actually try and launch products. And that's something that I think when you go freelancing, a lot of people don't think about. They're so focused on, hey, let's make ends meet that they don't give them because you're freelancing. You're supposed to be able to do what you want, build products, all that kind of stuff. And that's important. So I didn't really have to do like a freelance jump in the same way you guys did. I just, you know, I just jumped into Gus on the go and said, let's just see where this takes us. But in the middle of this last year, when we were approached by the company to do licensing, we had to figure out what is this going to cost? And I was talking to a business friend of mine and she just goes, well, how much is it going to cost you to make? And my immediate answer was, well, well, just our time and maybe like hiring a a translator. She goes, your time is your money, fool. Yeah. (laughs) And so I was like, oh, right. Like I'm so used to not working for a fixed amount of money Mm. um, because we're creating this product. So I never considered that this time is worth money. Like, but that's such an obvious thing now. So I did something very similar when we had to figure out how much this was going to cost in terms of development for this company. So he has a lot of how much is it worth if we were working this time over the year? How much time is this going to take? And then um, we took found an hourly rate from there. And then we also padded it. Yeah, of course. Yeah, the 20% buffer. (laughs) But yeah, and that's that's an interesting mentality to carry forward to products too. That's something that I don't judge all my features based on how much will this cost me, quote unquote. But I do try and keep in the back of my head like, okay, I'm spending three months on this feature and you know, at X hourly rate, that would normally cost this much. Is that worth it? Am I adding that value to my product? Mm. And I give myself flexibility like, oh, I really want this feature. It's kind of cool. So I'll do it anyway. But it is something I keep in the back of the mind is like when I'm spending my time, I'm spending my money or I'm spending my currency, I guess would be a better way to put it. So if that's on my product, I try and also balance to make sure that I'm getting something out of it because time isn't just time. Like you said, like time is important to us. That's that's how we make our money as indies, be it through products or through freelancing. Yeah. And the conversation that we had a few weeks ago about like, how do you choose when, like what to like give other people to work on? Like, how do you choose when to like have somebody come on and do, do some work for you? If you were going through that process and you wanted to like hand off some work, you'd be like, oh, how much is it going to cost me? Am I going to be able to afford this? But right. Yeah. So much as indies, like we don't do that with our own time. And our own time right. is every bit as in, as valuable as like anybody that we're farming work off to. And I think I would probably make a lot different decisions in certain situations if I actually sat down and went, okay, how much is this? How much is this costing me? Like, if I sit down, is this worth actually spending any time on? Mm-hmm. Right. And sometimes, sadly, the answer is no, and you've got to figure out what is worth yeah. tossing if it's if that's the answer. Yeah, I mean, I did that with my big localization thing. A year and a half ago. Yeah, I was knees deep in that. And I realized that, you know, there were probably other 
things I could tackle for those markets, like pricing strategies, that would help me a lot more than all this time, you know, a month and a half that I was working on localization. And I just scrapped it because, I mean, burnout, but also because I realized it wasn't worth that currency, you know, of my time. Mm. I also had a moment where I realized, let me spend all this time working on the UI, improving the UI for Gus 2. And I had all these ideas and I'm like, okay, I know who I'm going to talk to. And then I talked to Yano and he goes, well, Alice, we're, we're, we're making like $30 a month on this. What happens if we double it? Is That's not worth the amount of time and effort we're going to put into it. Yeah. And so I'm like, oh, yeah, that's that's really not going to – there's just no point in doing that. So we had to just look past that one. Yeah, I think it's I think it's important that you like take that stuff into consideration, right? And I've definitely, I've definitely done stuff like that where I've had to toss stuff out. I mean, or rather, I haven't tossed it out because I don't toss anything out. Uh, I've just put it to like okay, the side and be like, I'll branch. get to that yeah. eventually. Yeah. Like, it's not <laughs> like I'm never going to do it. It's just like, okay, when that becomes a thing that I can spend time on. Right. But then like it kind of comes down to like how are we – like we're placing value on the time that we have. But how about the value that we – portray to other people like so you're talking about apps at this point well yeah i mean products products more than products anything. okay how do you choose the price that you're selling your product to other people i have a d20 on my desk <laughs> i just roll that and just kind of roll with it literally yeah pun intended <laughs> just give that a moment to sink in i, I find pricing products actually really difficult yeah because the first thing you automatically do when you create anything you're like well what is everyone else pricing Mm -hmm. right and then you're like oh everyone's pricing at 99 cents or a dollar or at least that's what it was like six years ago but you're like wow is my all my work really only worth two dollars a dollar to someone um and to some people that's all they think it's worth unfortunately but we we have played around with pricing in terms of paid upfront pricing. And we've played around with like $2.99 and $3.99. And we realized that there's actually no difference between those two. So we're like, oh, if that's the case, I'm just going to stick to $3.99 and make that 25%. Um, Makes sense. I still don't think that's what my product is worth, but go with the flow. (laughs) Well, that's the the hard thing with the app store is like, there's what we think it's worth. And then there's kind of what the market thinks it's worth. And there are a lot of different strategies there. And even within the same market, you can have apps that are priced vastly differently. You could have a 99 cent yeah. app doing very well, and then you could have a $20 a year subscription app also doing very well in the same market. And it's hard because you have one marketplace where all these things live and all those different types of users with those different preferences shop from that same marketplace. And you're going to get complaints from both sides of the fence all the time, no matter what you do. Yeah. So it can be really hard to like, filter out the signal from the noise to figure out what an appropriate pricing strategy is. So for me, I started paid up front and that held me back a lot and kind of did the same as you is like I launched it at 499 and then essentially I upped it to 799 because I realized like if you're going to pay 499, you're going to pay 799 and that helped a lot with revenue. Yeah. But I realized like it just wasn't going to work that well. So I didn't, I'm trying to remember what my process was. I mean, I know I wanted to go subscription. Because one of the big things with me with pricing is finding something recurring that's not tied to paid upgrades because I continue to think that model is just dying more and more. Some apps will still find success, but I think overall we're moving past that. But I I kind of notice as a general trend, not so much specifics, but as a general trend that a lot of fitness apps were subscription-based. And I think that was kind of my 
initial key for what direction to take it. So I'll generally look at the market and be like, okay, the apps that exist in this space, how are they usually priced? Like camera apps are usually pay up front and that's how they work. Uh, fitness mm-hmm. apps are generally subscriptions from what I've seen. Yeah. So I, I try and look at the marketplace in that, at least to get a high level picture to start. Yeah, I'm more or less the same, I think. I look at what is kind of going on around. I also kind of, there's a little bit of just like disconnect that I have gone through over the course of my various different apps where I've just, I want to try different things. And so I just try a few things out. My first app that I ever made was paid up front, is still paid up front. I played around with the price. I think it's currently on like five bucks, but it was like, I think it was at one point it was eight. I think I made it free for a day just to see how that would change things. And of, of course, there's like, there was this huge jump and then just like it, it dropped off. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's good that you play with all that though. There's so many people are afraid to play with their pricing. Yeah. I think that's a, that holds a lot of people back. Yeah. I, I mean, I think I'm more reserved with changing the entire model, right? Yes. I have no problems like adjusting my price if I feel that it could tr- like to try different things. And even in gift wrapped, gift wrapped is free with in-app purchases to buy upgrades, one-time purchase in-app, in-app purchases. And I've adjusted the pricing on those in various different ways over the course of gift wrapped's life. Mm-hmm. I think at one point they were like, like the, the biggest one was like 12 bucks and at the moment, it's like 10 bucks, and I think I dropped it at one point to about five or six just to try and see how that went and see if more sales came through. I have no problem with that. I, but like making the jump between between pricing models, I think is a lot more, there's a lot more to think about in that way. Yeah. Like if you're, if you're paid up front and you want to move to like free within app purchases, there's a lot more to think about there. Yeah. And I, yeah, like it's something that you've got to, consider very carefully in my opinion yeah that was i mean that's exactly what i did for slopes and it was a huge risk and i spent all summer thinking through it planning it finally writing the implementations of it and i kind of had a hunch it would work just again looking at the other fitness apps and seeing the like okay fitness subscription seems to be a thing seems like the marketplace is reasonably tolerant of it here okay and you know when i settled on 20 bucks a year like yeah, you're going to a ski resort, you're paying 40 bucks a day minimum, some places, you know, 120 bucks a day. So 20 bucks, that's the price of a burger, that doesn't feel too bad. So I had a lot of kind of gut checks, and that made me more comfortable doing it. But it was, yeah, moving models, that's a huge risk. I mean, that's you and Yano did that, Alice, with Gus on the go too, right? We, we did. Not too much success, though. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, so we did the paid up front for the first one and then free with uh, in-app purchases for the second one. I mean, they're sort of different apps with different types of content. So it could be we think that maybe it's the content that's sort of not failed, but I think the content was hard to convey that it was worth the in-app purchase. Mm. But to your point, though, Curtis, after your talk at a release notes, we're like, we're going to go subscription. This is it. But for us, where the the user is not the purchaser, I, I feel like I'm very terrified to go in that direction mm. because I think for adults, they can justify that $20 for slopes because they themselves get the like value out of really it. cool yeah. features. They know exactly what they're getting out of it. And it's hard to tell if they're going to even like give their kids this app. <laughs> 
and get the value out of it, even if it's like $5. Like I don't personally have any subscriptions for kids stuff. And I've talked to a bunch of friends and they don't seem to pay for anything subscription based. So like it's a little terrifying to jump in there. So I'm going to have to do a lot of more research before I go in that direction. Yeah. Yeah. I would definitely check the market for kids apps and see how many have subscriptions. Cause yeah, you're providing the value to not the person buying. And that's a very hard sell to make, especially when there's going to be a lot of competition for like, why would I just spend 99 cents? Yeah. So I'd be really curious if that market would be tolerant of subscriptions at all. Right. I think there are, it just has to feel like it's endless content or there's just endless value. So if they're going to use like a handwriting app, like every day, Mm -hmm. then sure, it's the same thing over and over again. That's fine. But unfortunately, ours is educational content where they have to keep learning and not just keep, right. you know, practicing handwriting or something like that. Yeah, that sort of stuff is definitely like something that you've got to take into account when you're thinking about your purchases. Like we're thinking about the pricing that you do. I mean, it kind of goes both ways though. And this is something that I've been like trying to figure out as part of my approach. You have to be able to have like a lot of content or constantly updating content to justify a subscription price. Because mm-hmm. if you're subscribing to content, you want your content to continue i mean it kind of goes a little of both ways because you gotta you've also got to kind of consider the option of like if i go to a subscription is that going to be the thing that i need to be able to provide the ongoing content am i going to be able to pay for like you know adding new content writing new content getting people to record stuff maybe that's maybe that's the case yeah yeah even like so you're talking about do you need subscriptions to maintain content and it slopes, I think, is in an interesting position because it's subscription-based, but really, I mean, I generate content, I generate a Lyft database, and I try and maintain that, and there's other stuff going on that I'm trying to do, but really, to be completely honest, it's not a content-based app, it's a feature-based app, and yeah. it is interesting, though, because a lot of the features I'll give away for free, like I just added the, I've always had, like, share cards where you could, you know, customize something to share on social media for your your day's uh, trip with like a map or a photo or something uh, with all your stats over top of it. And I just added multi-day share cards, which are great for like, oh, I went to Whistler for four days. So let me generate a thing that shows every single run I took over those four days. So you can see I tried to cover the mountain and I that's free for everyone. But even my subscribers love it. So it's it can be interesting when you're a feature-based app with subscriptions because... Even the stuff you're giving away for free, your subscribers are still perceiving as you're continuing to add value for them and they're happy to support mm-hmm. you, mm-hmm. which is kind of weird. I mean, it's it's that Patreon thing, right? Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, yeah. That's, that's a very recent kind of aspect to paying for stuff that's kind of cropped up in the last few years. Patreon, for those who are not aware, is basically like you pay a certain amount of money per month or per release or whatever to uh like to a creator basically to help them be able to create more stuff and you might get a little bonus out of it those sort of things can range from like credit to like you know credits as in your name attached to something yeah. to like behind the so scenes photos extra stuff or, yeah. or you get like yeah and i i feel like like some of the subscription stuff that uh has been added to the app store in the last year or so um, have is kind of been in that vein of like here we want to be able to use subscriptions to be able to enable us to create more value for not just the people who are buying those like buying the extra stuff but the people who are getting this stuff for free right yeah and as i kind of lean heavy into the whole like hey i'm an indie app dev within the app itself 
And I think that helps because that kind of spins my subscription stuff, not as like, hey, you're paying Adidas, you know, $50 a year for their running app. It's more like, no, you're helping support Curtis, this dude who's trying to make this awesome app for you. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that works. You know, I, I think for indies, that is something if you lean into it and kind of market it right, that can work pretty well because I'll have a lot of people reach out to me like, hey, sorry to bug you, but I had this question. I'm like, no, 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 that's what I'm here for. I am I answer my customer support. It's okay. You can ask me questions. But they, they legit recognize that like, yeah, I'm just one guy doing everything. And I think that makes them more willing to support as long as I don't screw up. Do you think that works better in your market? Because it's like, I don't know, it's it's a bunch of snowboarders and skiers and it's cool to be like champion like one guy and my market's parents and they're kind of like just educate my child already i don't care who it is <laughs> right yeah i think i wouldn't say it's exclusive to my market um i think for a lot of markets that could work but i could see it being harder like if you were more like a tutor type setup then i think the whole like hey mm-hmm. i'm just trying to help your kid get a great education by myself uh, it could work pretty well. Yeah, yeah. But mm-hmm. if your marketing is more like generic language app, like that might not be harder because there's not that personal right. touch, mm-hmm. especially because, again, the person paying the money is removed from the app versus me like they're right. using my app so they can better empathize with me. So, yeah, I, I think I, I don't think it's exclusive to my market by far, but I think it might be hard for your market. I don't know, though. I will I will kind of use that card a little bit when I respond to emails and say, Thanks for, you know, thanks for the feedback or, okay, I don't say the feedback, but yeah. I say thanks for uh, whatever it is, that, the kind words. And we're a small team of two, so we're working as hard as we can. I try yeah. to like squeeze yeah. in that as much as I can. And they always, a lot of times are like, oh, I just thought you guys were this giant conglomeration. I'm like, I wish. <laughs> hey, good job on faking it till you make it. I know. I think that's what comes with, with having like 30 languages. They assume it's yeah. a huge company that does it, but. It's just us. <laughs> I mean, this is this is kind of interesting because this is the rec- the direction that I've been thinking about with GIF Wrapped, right? I've been trying to figure out whether or not I should go to a subscription model with GIF Wrapped, and I mean, obviously, there's the, the there is a dichotomy. That's how you is that how you use that word? I don't know. Finish the sentence, and then we'll know. <laughs> yeah, I'm like sure. <laughs> there is a dichotomy here where there's definitely like an aspect of like. I'm an indie creator and you're, by subscribing to this thing, you're helping me to create this product that theoretically you really enjoy and everybody's going to get benefit out of this, but especially you because I'm going to add some like special features for you. But then there's also the thing of it's a flippin' GIF app and like who wants to pay <laughs> however much money per month to be able to like get benefits out of a, out of a GIF app? Which is the big struggle that I'm I'm trying to like deal with, and I keep flipping back and forwards between both of these things. I'm like, oh no, I shouldn't do subscription because nobody will want to pay for it. But then also like, oh, but I need to. Yeah, I maybe maybe the maybe the trick is that I just need to just need to go for it. Just need to like go in there and be like, yeah, and lean into the indie thing even more than I currently do. <laughs> like, please help me eat, please. <laughs> I mean, the thing is you have to test your market and you have to figure out if subscriptions will work there. And it's good to have a backup plan if it doesn't. Uh, Maybe you have subscriptions for a little while and it doesn't work and then you turn it into a one-time purchase again. You know, that's your fallback plan. But I think you need to test the market and see if it'll work for you. And I I would certainly be afraid like you are because, you know, your market, you're mainly appealing to people like us. You know, Mm. reasonably computer savvy people who actually know what a GIF is. A GIF, if you will. (laughs) And that market is pretty hostile towards subscriptions right now. 
But that market was also hostile towards in-app mm. purchases five years ago and would only ever download paid up front apps because IAPs were dirty. And now IAPs are generally accepted <laughs> and subscriptions are the dirty word. So I don't know if time might look more favorably upon your subscription idea. Mm. So launching it now, you're kind of getting in in the beginning. Well, well the middle. Yeah, in the middle. Yeah. But that would give me pause of your market is kind of a hostile one versus, again, like the fitness market for me was already kind of primed for subscriptions. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. the thing. Yeah. But Curtis, you have both, correct? Like you have an in-app purchase, a couple in-app purchase and a subscription model? Yeah, but they're consumable. So, yeah. So um, anyone who hasn't used Slopes, um, it, you have the season pass, which is one year, 20 bucks. Uh, you have the trip pass, which is one week worth of unlocks for four ninety nine, and then you have the day pass for one ninety nine. So I think it's going to differ though from what Jelly is looking at because oh, that's true. For him, you know, you you purchase at whatever price, and now all of a sudden you get this bonus pack feature unlocked, and you remove ads, right? Like that's a thing. Yeah, there's a bunch of features, and there's removing ads and stuff. Yeah, which removing ads is probably what everyone likes paying for, but. With slopes, you buy that trip pass and it'll cover that seven days that you're recording. But next time you go out, you have to buy that trip pass again. So it's just for people who yeah, don't want to pay the full price of a season pass because they only go out, you know, one trip a year. I want to give yeah. them something to work with. They have a snow day. Yeah. yeah. Which is a lot. It's a huge part of the market. I think the, tri- the, the, the direction that I've kind of been leaning towards is like basically consolidating all of my in-app purchases into the one big one that I currently have. So the one, the big one would probably be the only one, but then also making it a subscription. So you subscribe to everything. And so it's just to simplify Mm -hmm. things, but I've also been thinking kind of along the same lines to like have the subscription, but also have the paid. If you buy this one, you just get it forever. Whereas you buy the subscription don't do that. Don't like do that. A month. No, 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 no. So the you're going to run into a problem of people will look at the subscription. They're going to look at the pay for lifetime and they're going to have to make the calculation in their head. Do I assume that I will use the app and that the app will be allowed long enough for me to justify the one-time purchase versus the subscription? So let's say you times it, you know, three times the yearly price. Am I going to use this for three years? Am I not going to use it for three years? Maybe I should subscribe and then I'll save some money. It, don't do that. That's it's just going to confuse people. Just give people a subscription option and that's it. Like, keep it simple. <laughs> there was a flight tracker app that did that uh, about eight months ago. A friend of the show, Joe Chaplinsky, was complaining about the same kind of thing where they had a lifetime unlock and it was just confusing because then you had to do all those mental calculations I just mentioned of like, what is the best way to get value? Because inherently, we're going to want to min-max that stuff to yeah. get the best value while paying the oh, least yeah. amount of money. Yeah, fair so now they have to do all those mental calculations of like, which of these two options are the best value? And, and that's just <laughs> really hard. And that actually is going to stop a lot of people from purchasing it. Mm. Right. I'd rather just not do the math. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think we'd all rather not do maths. <laughs> oh, yes. Especially trig. Sorry. Yeah. Maths. <laughs> <sighs> I'm curious. You mentioned your idea of, you know, having the one big bundle, which I completely agree with if you're going subscriptions. Um, are you thinking of lowering the pricing because it's going to be recurring revenue now? So it's more because like Carrot Weather App, for example, I think their lowest tier starts at $2.99 a year and then they have a $5.99 a year and a $9.99 a year for like bronze, silver, gold membership that gets you nicer features. Yeah. Are you, are you going to target like the low price and make it up in volume and recurring or are you still staying kind of a high purchase price or tbd tbd i think at this point i'm 
I mean, it, it it kind of comes down to where I am on my little uh, my little graph of like going between the two the two uh, directions that I've kind of put yeah. myself in the ping pong table. When I'm on the side of like you know maybe I shouldn't make it a make it a subscription because people won't want who wants to pay money for like recurring money for a gift app. At that point, I'm like, oh, but maybe if I make it like the lowest amount, <laughs> I I think I probably the the answer the real answer would be that whatever the current price of my all time unlock thing is currently, it would be like maybe half that for the year. The the math I would do is because you are in a great position now where you've been in your market for a while, so yep. you understand a lot about your users. So I would look at what is your retention rate like, how many users actually stick to your app. Let's say your retention rate is normally three years, you know, when someone actually makes their purchase with you. Mm -hmm. That means take your current pack and divide by three. And that will get you on average what you had been getting from your current one time unlock, but it'll continue past the three year mark. But maybe divide by three is not the exact right number there. There's some, some room to play with, but that's the idea. Like look at how long, how sticky your app is right now. And given what people pay one time for, how can you convert that to a subscription type thing? And in that process, you're going to be lowering the price with the idea of making it up over time. But I I think you have a treasure trove of data there to look at for that kind of stuff. Yeah. Assuming you're tracking that kind of stuff. Yeah. I I mean, I keep track of that sort of stuff. I Yeah. I I would definitely start there. That'll give you a great idea. And if you notice that your app is not sticky, people download it, use it for a year, and then delete it subscriptions aren't going to work well for you no you're not going to get recurring revenue i mean half the problem with me my my particular app is that really honestly the largest part of my market is people who download it to download gifts from twitter they don't use it for any of its like full features but they're also the sort of people that aren't going to buy the any of the in-app purchases anyway like they don't care right Mm. so really i'm my i think the the target that i'm approaching is like a small part like a much smaller part of my market of like the people who use the app for more than the features than that like the more of the actual features as opposed to like the one right. feature that no other app apparently has on the app store <laughs> Even- well I, then i would that would be my starting point like try and understand the different segments of your market yeah. and figure out how how big that is and if you realize like okay you're sustaining three thousand users on the actual you know gif part of the app not the twitter part of the app then that might not be like sustainable long term mm. unless you're charging a lot of money. So that's you kind of have to figure out like, okay, given your market sizes, how long do they stick around? Which ones of them pay you money? What does that convert to? But I think you can do kind of a lot of self inspection in your app and then compare it to the marketplace around you. But I would definitely start by running your year's worth of numbers and try and segment all that out. Because mm. if you notice, like, your core users stick around for, you know, four or five years, you know, you don't have a high churn at that point. And those are the users that are paying you money. Well, Subscription's yeah. probably going to work great for yeah. you. Yeah. And I think, I, th- I think, honestly, subscription probably will amongst the users who actually use the app for things other than, like, the one, you know, feature that they use. The, the actual, yeah. like, the real, like core users i guess are probably going to stick be sticking around for a long time and if that means that i can get as dirty as it sounds if that means that i can like get a little bit more money so that i can continue to for the next however long uh support those users then i think like that maybe that's the direction that i'm going to go and honestly one of the things that i'm 
probably that I'm that I'm thinking about, and I think is important when you're thinking about changing your model, is like how do you bundle in the users who have already paid for stuff? That can be a whole other discussion. Yeah, yeah. I, I had fun with that. That's yeah. That's something we're gonna have to figure out too, because there are people who have already purchased Gus on the Go One, and similar content will be in the new one, but just with more. So how do we? guarantee like how do we do a receipt check and all that or can we do that properly you can find out as long as it wasn't a consumable um the consumables don't stick around right but it has to be the same SKU, and i think the new gus on the go is going to be a different SKU. like it's going to be a whole separate app in the store yes yeah so then you can't receipt check yeah then you have to come up with your own back-end system Mm. yeah i think i i think at this point my the the direction that i'm kind of going is I'm obviously I'm going to like provide something to the people who have already paid, um, especially because the people who have paid for the biggest in-app purchase that theoretically paid for everything for all time, because that's literally the description mm. of the yeah. of the right. in-app purchase, which was probably a mistake on my part. But <laughs> past <laughs> Jelly is an idiot, and I hate him. <laughs> um, He's the worst. Never do lifetime unlocks, people. Uh, just obviously, I'm going to have to do something in that space. And honestly, I think they'll probably just get everything. Like I'll just the the subscription will be a version of the uh, the forever unlock. The people who have bought like the individual things, like I just want to unlock like no ads, or I just want to unlock this particular feature, which is how the app is currently priced. I don't know. Maybe I'll just keep them, give them the same thing that they've paid for. I don't know at this point. Ah. I'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've got a lot of thinking to do after this episode. Uh, so, you know, I better I better go and do some of that. If you would like to check out uh, any of our other episodes or you'd like to get in contact with us, you can do so. You can find our website and that's at independence.fm. If email is your, your jam and you'd like to contact us that way, you can throw one at hello at independence.fm. And look, we'd love to hear from you. It's it we we love reading emails that people send to us. It's been at like, least the nice ones. Well, I mean, we've never got a bad email to this address. <laughs> oh no, yeah, yeah, just my customer support address, I guess. I think you're welcoming <laughs> it's them just now. The customer support <laughs> stuff that's bad. See previous episode. <laughs> but otherwise, if you'd like to, uh, if you if you're straight up avoiding one of us, like say Curtis, for example, uh, and you just like to find us individually, you can do so on Twitter. Uh, where I go by jelly bean soup. I'm eat a duck I must. And I am parrots, plural of the bird. <laughs> so like You sound so down. Are you, like, you okay, Curtis? Uh, Do you parrots. need a hug? And I'm parrots, the plural <laughs> of the bird. If you put that in, I will kill you. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. Thank you for listening. We'll be back in another two weeks. And until then, goodbye.